So when we started the Earshot podcast all those years ago, uh, we used to record in a pub. It was the only way that we would get guests to come and join us. So uh, we tempted them in uh, with a pint of beer and we enjoyed that together. And today the podcast returns to a pub and I'm pleased to say that I've just bumped into Steve. Hi Steve, nice to see you. And Sam, we've met before. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm glad I found you. Yeah, here Should we, we get a beer in? Why not? Earshot with Steve Martin. Great radio production and the people who make it. Well, thank you for downloading these uh, few megabytes of uh, compressed audio. It's good to be with you again on the Earshot podcast. We're back in the pub uh, like old times. Cheers, cheers. Uh, Steve Dunlop. <laughs> and uh, Sam Crowther, both from A Million Ads. Hi, hello. Drew White got in touch about programmatic advertising and Drew said, it requires a fair amount of decoding for me. Could you cover this in a podcast? So Steve and Sam, let's just try and help out here. It's a complicated part of our industry, but it's becoming more and more prevalent, and I guess a lot more important for us all in the months and years ahead. What are the key terms that we need to define right up front if we're gonna understand what we're talking about, Steve? First to say, it's very kind of you to ask us to be the, uh, yeah, the experts around absolutely. programmatic. Uh, for me, uh, the very technical definition of programmatic is uh, the ability for the buy side, the advertisers and their agencies, to buy inventory across multiple sources using their own system, effectively. So sit almost within their own office and buy, be it audio, display, video inventory across multiple publishers. In our case, it would be internet radio or it would be music streaming services uh, and using their own interface on their own desktop buy across multiple sources and actually almost not really care about the sources they buy by audience and by audience we mean say uh, men over 35 in the northwest who are interested in buying a car and wherever that person might appear be it listening to capital on their capital app or be it listening to uh, spotify uh, on the on the free service the trading desk or the programmatic desk can actually go and seek that audience out and serve the ads to those people almost irrespective of where they end up and I think we're familiar with this already with display advertising online. What has changed to mean that it can now apply to audio too? Uh, in simple terms, it's it just more radio stations have put their content online. I mean, that, we've had online versions of uh, radio stations for a long time. But the difference now is that um, the ads served into those uh, streaming radio stations are now served by digital audio ad servers rather than just being a simulcast of what went out on broadcast on the local transmitter actually there's now an ad server sitting there before it hits your ears on your uh, on your stream and inserting ads just for you and those ad servers now are clever enough to plug into other systems and other programmatic trading desks as they're called uh, to be able to take effectively feeds of adverts uh, and treat you as almost an individual or as a, as a group based on your demographics or on your location or on um, other data uh, items about you and then target ads at you. And Steve, you've got a strategy head on you. When did you first become aware that this was a growing trend and something that it's worth uh, dedicating your professional career to? Uh, so I was head of strategy at Global Radio um, for two and a half years up until summer 2015 and 
when I started, really, it wasn't wasn't a thing in audio at all. Uh, and, and actually, we were aware that we needed to trade our digital audio inventory more effectively uh, and be able to offer a, a differentiated um, audio product from broadcast. Um, and as we started that project and literally kicked it off, you know, within my first few months at, at Global at the time, uh, as we kicked it off, realized that actually once you get into digital, you're, you can't just be audio. You have to be part of the, the, the broader digital advertising spectrum, which, by the way, is owned by Google and Facebook. And, and so actually it moves radio into those worlds very, uh, very quickly. Um, a lot of that is about the technology that's available. Um, and there are a couple of players out there to name a few would be AdsWiz and Wide Orbit and Triton have um, now mature and compelling products in the um, uh, the digital audio space to be able to trade digital audio inventory programmatically, and those just didn't exist, you know, less than five years ago. Uh, so it's been been a, um, a cultural shift within the publishers, the broadcasters, to say this is how I want to trade my inventory, but also a technological shift to actually get the tech up to scratch to be able to do it uh, within an audio world. So you were at Global, yep. Sam, you were at Bauer. Why not do this within a big radio group? You were Global as well. So, so why, why are you doing this as a startup standalone and not within one of these big groups that's got that infrastructure and got that, uh, the, the bulk of the business behind it? You're taking a risk here. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not. I, I, I'd worked with um, with Steve um, up in Manchester. Uh, Steve was a uh, producer on XFM, and I was uh, part of um, uh, was it GCAP Media then? I can't remember. It was GCAP Media. It was GCAP. Media. Media. Yeah, it was just GCAP. Global bought it. Uh, it was just before Global bought it, and and I was at Century, and and, and the two sort of uh, joined in the same building. Um, uh, so I kind of had, uh, had known Steve from before, and and I'd been thinking, I think about. Uh, a, a sort of digital affecting creative, probably from the first dot com boom, actually, because when I was at Capital originally, um, th- they were looking at narrow cast radio. Remember, they had, every radio group seemed to have narrow cast radio, so radio stations for gamers online or for or for people who are film buffs or whatever. So we started to think about how creative could be different. So if you pr- pr- promoting a film across different. Uh, those different audiences, how you do the creative. But obviously that was a very manual sort of process. Um, and then when I was at Bauer, they had InStream. So InStream was actually, is is a very good digital product where you can then, you know, uh, target by gender, by age, by the data that they have collected. And, and, and I'd started to work on that, but just again, doing the creative in the normal process. So writing two different scripts, producing two different things and doing one for men and one for women. And then Steve just gave me a call and said, I want to show you a product. <laughs> and, and he'd, so he'd already left Global and had done the proof of concept of a million ads. So for me, actually, to make that decision was, was, was fairly easy because, because it was a product that I wanted. I almost needed it. I always had clients going, but I want to do 50 versions. And I was, like, I was thinking there thinking, well, that's going to be a lot of studio time. <laughs> that's going to really annoy the voiceovers and stuff. And Steve, when you talk about a product, are you talking about a technology platform or, you know, what is it exactly? So, um, um, rewind a little bit. The, um, when I was at Global, we came up with a, um, a digital audio exchange called DAX, which was um, a trading platform to buy and sell audio inventory across multiple sources. So Global's properties are in there, but now SoundCloud is in there, Radionomy, Audio Boom. There's a range of audio inventory, um, and uh, that can now be uh, bought and sold and, uh, uh, on that um, exchange. But when I was at, when I was there, I kind of noticed that whilst we had this really 
sophisticated and complex system for doing the trading, more often than not, the creative that went out on this digital audio exchange was pretty much the same as the radio creative. So the 30-second spot that had gone out on broadcast a minute ago now is just going out on the digital platform, but maybe in a slightly different order to a slightly different set of people. And by the way, for a much higher cost <laughs> uh, to, the, to the advertiser. And I thought actually we could do better than that. As Sam mentioned, I used to be a producer and you know sitting in a, um, a, a glass soundproof box in Manchester making jingles and ads for XFM. And, and kind of, I guess with that discipline in mind, wanted to build the tool that Sam had been kind of crying out for, this ability to create uh, uh, audio and adverts in our, in our case that actually are more aware of the environment in which the user is receiving them. And once you move to digital, of course, you get a whole load of data about the user that kind of comes for free almost because you're that the user is now listening on a connected device and that could be a smartphone, a laptop or a connected TV or an Amazon Alexa. Those devices are plugged into the internet. So for a start, we know kind of where you are, at least what city you're in. We know what time zone you're in. Uh, we know what device you're on. Uh, and from all of that, you can actually make some really interesting creative decisions to almost respect and, um, uh, and go with the context and the relevancy of the user at that time. So to just stick the broadcast spot out is missing the opportunity. And so that was the genesis of Million Ads. What is the evidence that customised, personalised advertising is more effective than the broadcast spot? There's plenty of evidence in the wider market about personalization and advertising generally. Uh, things like Channel 4 have been running a lot of personalized video advertising on pre-rolls for All 4, as it's called now, where you might see your name written on a box of Thornton's chocolates or uh, the classic Coke ad is, is, the, is the one that we've all seen where it's your name on the bottle of, uh, of, of Coca-Cola. Uh, so in other um, uh, channels of digital advertising, personalization is already out there. And of course, the most simple one is just email, email CRM from your broadband provider or from your gas uh, provider saying, hi, Steve, at the top of that email is a way of personalizing content to you. Um, and there's plenty of evidence to show that those emails have higher open rates, they have higher open rates. In audio, there is no evidence because no one's done it yet. <laughs> and we are literally the first in the world to do this. Uh, at the scale and at the um, uh, at the volume that we're, that we're talking about, and we've run a closed test um, to a, um, a panel of uh, radio listeners. We played uh, half of them uh, um, an ad for a coffee shop that had actually gone out on broadcast, and the other half heard our ad for that coffee shop. And hopefully, we'll get a chance to play it um, later on in the podcast. And. We asked this, these exact same questions to those um, those two groups after they've been exposed to that um, that audio, and uh, across the board, the people who realised they'd been personalised to, they were fifty nine uh, sorry forty nine percent up in engagement and fifty one percent up in recall. So standard advertising metrics both were significantly higher when personalisation was part of the mix. But there's a, there's an interesting kind of uh, conversation that we're we're constantly having about how personalisation is applied as well, because there's a kind of a very conscious way where you say hi Steve, you know, because we know your name. Well, I can say that to both of you. <laughs> you both of that. Um, but you can also do it subconsciously, and I'm fascinated by that. And that is the kind of cocktail party effect. The very famous. Uh, Donald Broadbent study where he looked at the sort of filtering process that goes on in the brain where he called it the cocktail but we could call it the pub effect here like so the, the group of men over there if they suddenly mention Steve or Sam or our names we are instantly drawn to it even though our attention is over here and what that proved is there's something called selective attention so we're filtering everything and then certain relevant information which includes obviously your name at the top of that sort of pile means that we get drawn to it 
And it's why traffic and travel and news on a radio station that's relevant to you in your city, in your town, is really important because that's what you want to know about. That's the stuff that's relevant to you. Or if you're taking a train and they say there's been leaves on the line or the rain's wrong or something, you know what I mean, and it's been delayed, then you're going to think, did they just say that there were problems on the trains? And and the same that same process we can now apply uh, into into ads so you get drawn to it and you're not really possibly not sure why you know that coffee shop one had people's name in it but it was a scenario and it was calling out your name as you got to the till and you're like was that just written into the script by accident is it coincidence or is it, is it actually mine you know but that's just before they mentioned the brand so it's kind of important that you get your attention drawn and then there you go here's the here's the here's the brand and it means that that ad the personalized ads in a break of six spots is the one that stands out so it gets the higher engagement and recall scores so, so our names, place names, our hometown, these are, these are the key words that grab our attention. What else? Well, time of day, day of week, you know, these are kind of known um, sort of things. If we know location from an IP address, we also know the weather um, in that location as well. Um, we can deliver messages sequentially. So if you've delivered the first of a, a, a bit of a creative, you know the person's listening to that, you can deliver number two, number three, number four. You can tell a story over multiple uh, uh, versions. Um, and, and then once you get into the world of um, music streaming services, where more often than not users are logged in, you actually can start to get first-party data. So name, age, and gender, yeah. but then also behavior on that platform. So what's your favorite genre of music? Yeah. What have you just been listening to? Were you listening to a rock song just now or a hip-hop song just now? And let's change the bed of the ad you're about to hear to be more respectful of the environment you've just come from so that it can either really stand out by being contrasting or actually really fit in and use other um, uh, techniques to, to grab attention. And then in the digital world, then you can pull other data from, from third party, other parties, including the advertisers. So if the advertiser's database can be cross-referenced with that of the publisher, then you know if someone is a customer or not. You can take other, other information from the device, you know, so you know that you're connected over uh, Sky Broadband or BT Broadband or TalkTalk Talk Broadband, and so you can do a custom acquisition message versus a retention message. I mean, these, for, for those advertisers, are kind of really, really kind of core things that they they would like to know about you know that they haven't been able to know about in in broadcast at all well i've got so many questions uh, based on what you've been saying already um but let's not go any further before hearing an example of what it sounds like and what can be achieved from the audience's perspective what are you going to play so we are going to play the world's first ever in the world ever <laughs> Um, dynamic, creative, personalised audio advert. And this was for uh, Camelot, the National Lottery. It went out on um, Global's DAX just before Christmas, over December. Um, and as you'll hear, it's a really simple message just saying thanks to players of the National Lottery. But uh, it says thanks to you in your local area and then mentions the number of good causes that have been funded by lot lottery support in your area. Uh, so... We recorded 60 different locations around the UK and the, the associated number of causes. So I'm just going to scroll down. This is our, um, uh, our interface here, and we have a dynamic creative player that allows you to select which version of the audio you'd like to hear based on the inbound data. And we're so, just looking at a list of place names. They're really quite uh, granular, aren't they? Dumfries and Galloway, Ellingham, uh, Fife, uh, down to Gwynedd, uh, Holderby. I mean, some of these are quite small communities. Yeah, and, and there's, there's a lot in London because we use North London, South London and so on. And it's, uh, this is a, a kind of sorted list. 
Let's pick... Uh, go on, you pick one, Steve. Let's go for Sedgefield. Nope. <laughs> so we pick Sedgefield. The other thing we can choose on this box is how many times the user's heard this ad. So this is the impression count here, and we'll just say that they've heard it once. Maybe we'll get a chance to play it again and set that to two, and you can hear how the ad changes the second time they hear it. It's going to hit the play button, and it will go away and make this dynamic version. Thank you for making an incredible difference. By playing the National Lottery, you've supported over 23,000 amazing local projects here in the Northeast. From championing our sporting heroes to supporting local communities, National Lottery players have helped transform the nation. So to every one of you, we'd like to say thank you. Dead simple, 20 seconds, uh, and that was the, uh, the first campaign that went out in the world that, that had Dynamic Creative. So just to prove that it works, let's pick... Um, uh, let's pick somewhere like uh, uh, we did the northeast. Let's pick somewhere over the other side. Let's pick Shropshire and Impression Three. I mean, the other thing to say with this is that um, we, we picked uh, cities, so there are cities covered in it, but then there are also regions. So the National Lottery wanted to talk about the number of good causes in a region. So that one you heard there didn't mention Sedgefield because actually it was one of the locations that covered the northeast. So actually, then people could um, uh, hear different messages. It could be um, a national message, it could be a, a regional one, or it could be right down into a into a city. And each time it would tell the different number of good causes in those different um, scaled uh, regions. So let's hit play on version number two, and you can see what's changed. Thank you for making an incredible difference. By playing the National Lottery, you've supported over 8,000 amazing local projects here in Birmingham. From backing community causes to championing grassroots sports, your National Lottery funding has helped change local lives. So to every one of you, we'd like to say... Thank you. It's a different location, different number, and then different uh, type of cause being drawn out at the end of the ad there. And you're playing these from what looks like a very simple web-based player. Have you edited and mixed all these different variants in advance as we would do on, at a radio station where we have to do hundreds, sometimes thousands of tag variants? Or is something really clever going on live at the moment that we play this? <laughs> um, no, we certainly haven't mixed down all of them because uh, a company called A Million Ads, that would, that would, <laughs> some campaigns, that would take a long, long time, I think, yeah. No, no, the system is, this is the whole kind of uh, raison d'etre of the system, really, is that, that you load in the individual elements and then it creates all of the different versions for you. So, so as Steve's going into now, is showing the actual how it is, is then constructed. Um, but, but what we can... Um, what you can see is when you load in, there's two, there's two sides to um, the program. One is a script editor, so anyone that's created any sort of audio content, no, you, you generally start with a script. Um, with the script, then you might have the different uh, elements that relate to the different locations. So you've written the, the, the version that has for Leeds and Bradford and Birmingham and all of those. And then you highlight those and say, well, these are variants. Um, uh, with, with data sources and it says well what data is this so if it's location it says well what's the lat long you want and you copy that from Birmingham and Bristol or wherever and then it says well what radius do you want so anybody within a radius of 20 kilometres 30 kilometres whatever uh, uh, will get that particular uh, version so when you then put in all the audio it then creates all of the different mixes so it makes sure the, the right one gets delivered at exactly the time that the ad server says hold on I've got somebody I've got an impression in Birmingham where's your Birmingham version here it is bang and it goes out so you're you're using two different technologies here you're using the personalized data that is determining where this ad is going to be heard but you're using object-based audio 
in the production process. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, exactly right. So, so as Sam explained, the two sides, the studio side and the server side. Studio sides is effectively exactly as you say, object-based audio, uh, where each element remains individual until the moment that it's needed, and then it gets bounced down. So that means mixing the bed, it means doing crossfades, it means doing all the stuff as a producer that you'd be doing manually in your Pro Tools session. We effectively do that across hundreds of thousands of different uh, ads uh, at the same time. So the example, the National Lottery example there, I think there were 200 different versions of that audio. So you could still imagine that some poor audio producer somewhere in the, uh, uh, in the country could do that manually. But actually some of the examples we'll play you later can have hundreds of thousands of different versions. And that's where you've got to have some kind of automation tool to help you out. Um, and the design of the system is, is deliberately for audio producers. We, we actually spoke to lots of people who sit in front of Pro Tools and Logic and, and these kind of uh, programs every day and try to make this an add-on to their workflow so that they can export from those programs into a million ads, use standard kind of timeline, uh, drag and drop type uh, uh, functionality to be able to create these data-driven scripts. And when you start to add multiple uh, data variables like time of day and day of week and name and you, know, you can see how you can suddenly get up to hundreds of thousands of versions because these all multiply together. To actually keep all that in your head as a producer is quite hard. So we try to make a, a, you know, a tool um, that makes that super easy. Then the other side, which is which is your point, Steve, is is the ad server effectively that says, ah, here's a user, here's their data packet. What's the best ad for them at this time? Ah, here it is, and certain. Have we got the bits to make it? Right, and hopefully we have. <laughs> we we have a big kind of validation bit that says, oh, you forgot to upload audio item number four, uh, so that we make sure we have got the. Yeah. the, audio and, the, the and 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 sometimes when the data isn't known about that listener, they can still get delivered a piece of audio just like a broadcast ad. So our default for the national lottery was the total UK figure which was a mi- half a million or a million I forget what it was it was a large number so so, so for the listener even if we don't know exactly where they are they will still hear what is essentially a, 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 a broadcast ad we talk to a lot of producers on this podcast who are always very proud of their audio one of the things they're particularly proud of is the final mix they spend a lot of time on the master chain and the way the sound uh, is once it's been finished and mastered and produced Presumably, Sam, you never hear the final mix here. No, well, that's kind of why we have this kind of um, uh, configurable player because you don't, you know, as Steve says, we don't. You never get that moment where you go, right, here it is. Let's all listen to it. Yes, that's brilliant. You know, you've got hundreds of thousands of versions, so it's important to select. Yeah, a dozen and, so, and, and listen to them through um, but yeah we're very conscious that exactly we know that people put a lot of pride into their to their music mixes they, they like to do voice uh, hitting with, with lyrics with going on the beat beat matching and things and I think another example we'll probably sort of go on to is, is um, something that we've done with uh, a, a betting firm because the, the betting firms uh, the live odds sort of uh, is, is a really interesting uh, sort of technological field so f- for us when we were looking at the sorts of advertisers that might be quick to pick up on new technology they were certainly one that sort of flagged up and went look you know, these guys want to do odds yeah. for Premier League games and things like that there's 20 Premier League teams against 20 league teams you've got different um, results you've got uh, different score lines and then you've got the different different odds there are a lot of uh, variants there you can play with well let's have a listen to it yeah here it is Premier League dynamic odds what if this is the season the match the moment that changes everything and what if you called it right get a 20 pounds free bet when you stake five pounds as a new customer with sky bet next matchup arsenal versus liverpool Ready for action. fancy our home win 2-1 10 pound stake wins 85 pounds 
Click your player now for all the odds on all the games. Skybet. Nothing certain. That's why it's exciting. Please gamble responsibly. When the fun stops, stop. Oh, yes, they have to say that at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a nice thing to end on, actually, yeah. isn't it? Stop. Yeah, stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and how many layers of audio are involved in it? I mean, how many layers of audio ca- can your system drive? Unlimited. I mean, we, we, we treat um, any audio item the same. So it could be a, a voiceover element, it could be a sound effect, it could be a bed. And any of those elements can be linked to any piece of data. So actually, the bed music could have been something that changed there based on a piece of data. As it was, um, there was actually one consistent bed and we just had multiple different uh, voice elements that were changed based on the odds or the game that was chosen. And here we had a second voice in there, almost like a kind of a, a, um, a pitch announcer. Arsenal versus Liverpool came as a second voice. Uh, so that, that could be the long list because actually there's 20 and then we did 20 verses as well so that you can have um, both ways round so the expensive voice doing the uh, the shorter list and then and then uh, the, 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 the longer list with, with the voice too and Sam how, how do you find voiceovers are at doing these long lists and making them compelling look voiceovers get paid to, to speak <laughs> and, and so it's a different skill from reading a, skill. a piece of narrative yeah. And I think a lot of uh, voiceovers in, the, in recent years have been doing longer form stuff. I mean, they've been doing audio books, they've been doing uh, narration for stuff. So they're kind of, they're okay about it. You know, they, they, what they find is um, to repeat the same phrase a lot is kind of a little bit mundane. So it's, it's, it's in the writing, you know, trying to keep phrases short is a good thing, good exercise to do. Um, but generally, the voices have been, have been really enthusiastic because it's, 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 it's a new um, innovation for our industry. Potentially, it means more work for them, um, but you know they've just been really encouraged by it. You know, I think, and um, as long as you come in with a cup of coffee and yeah. you know pat them on the back when their name, you know, or a pint, yeah, yeah. <laughs> during the pub, maybe. It, it, there is there is definitely some production discipline that's required around this yeah. because if if you have a phrase that is repeated for say different cities and you're doing twenty cities around the UK, you need to make sure that by the time you're doing Sedgefield, you, you go back and listen to the time you did Birmingham and make sure that you're saying them with the right or the same intonation so that the Sedgefield one doesn't sound like it's Sedgefield and Birmingham is down here. You see. So it does take some discipline to go back and take time. And, but what we find is that um, to do a dynamic, creative, personalised script is probably one and a half times in terms of the amount of time you need in the studio, the amount of production time you need, and the amount of voiceover time. So it's not... And for that, you get hundreds of thousands of versions of the creative. So that's the kind of the gearing, is a little bit more effort up front in the script writing, the production, and the voice. But actually, you get this amazing set of, uh, of flexible, dynamic, creative out the back of that. Uh, and, and can your system deal with different lengths of variables? So, you know, Wolverhampton, four syllables. I'm trying to think of somewhere with one syllable now. Well, Hull, a bath. How does that work? Well, that was an, that's interesting you picked up on that because yeah. that was when we did this demo, that was one of the things. I just copied and pasted the Premier League teams and then you realise, actually, people don't say West Bromwich Albion. They just say West Brom and, and Manchester United. They say Man United. But yeah, that's one of the disciplines that the time length of those different variants needs to be the same. But we have a feature in the in the system when you put all the multiples down, you can check and you can move those uh, individual files against one another and, and see them visually. And so see that, them visually, yeah. And there's a, then another feature is you can. By default, everything is linked to the previous item, so stuff will just flow next to each other, so it will just play out in sequence. But actually, you can also lock things in time as well. So the example here where we've got, you know, we've got the Kanye West bed in the background, and we want him to say, when the fun stops, stop, we can actually lock that bit of 
voiceover to that part of the bed in time so that it's not no longer relative to the things before it so that bit will always play at that point in time so that lets you you know play around with these kind of tricks so you're doing any production in pro tools or adobe audition any of the traditional audio production tools that we would use in studios yeah absolutely that's where where, where this all gets bounced down what, what we kind of say to producers because well, we use different producers and, 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 and sometimes we go through creative agencies use their own producers and we've done stuff with Radioville and people like that um, is that you concentrate on, on, on one ad like you would do for doing a normal broadcast ad um, and, and then it's a good discipline to know your longer phrases so you just kind of check with those but you mix down one and then you bounce down the, the, the different elements so it's like doing stems in music exactly exactly that yeah and what we haven't tried, to, I mean, deliberately haven't tried to do with the tool is replicate the functionality of Pro Tools because in the end we'd just make a bad Pro Tools in a browser. So what we try to do is extend the functionality. Over time, what we'd love is like a export to a million ads kind of plug-in so actually it becomes even easier. But we have things like a bulk upload tool, an auto-match based on the file name of the, of the file to match it to the script item and the data item. So if you've got 100 names, then they'll match automatically for you based on the file name. So trying to make that workflow as quick and easy as possible. And just to talk a little bit more about the plumbing, here maybe we should draw a diagram mm. but what happens ha- what happens once those ads have been created and they then need to get to the Triton or the AdSwiz and then to the, to the audience I'm just trying to visualize the pipeline here yeah so it's probably best to start imagine you're um, a listener listening to the kiss app on your iPhone um, the uh, it's a simulcast of the programming but the ads will be served by AdSwiz in the case of, of, uh, of kiss um, so the presenter in the studio does their interbreak, presses the hot piece of production and then hits the go ads button. That triggers uh, AdsWiz to go and assemble a break. Um, the, the break length's already programmed in so it'll know it's set to say a three minute break. So it'll know it will need six bits of 30 second creative. And it will do its normal ad server job and go here are all the campaigns that are scheduled into the system at the moment. Here are the start and stop dates of the campaign so we know that we're going to be within the, the time, la- uh, time limits. Uh, there are things like cash codes so it can know that if you've already played one uh, airline ad don't play another one all of the usual type stuff then there's um, uh, inventory caps frequency caps have I played this ad to this person more than once already today so the ad server does all of that kind of clever uh, um, uh, algorithmic selection of a campaign if it then gets to the end of that process and goes ah now this campaign is skybet and skybet's uh, audio is coming from a million ads we then get a request passed to us and this is all written in standard IAB it's called VAST is the, is the communication that we all we all talk in the kind of ad server level um, so there's nothing no kind of dark art yet we then get the request and with that request comes a packet of data that is things like the IP address of the user the user agent of the user i.e. they're on what did I say on an iPhone so we know that they're on an iPhone um, and then Potentially, the ad server could pass us other sets of data like a unique listener ID. Um, sometimes it could pass us, it could say, this person was listening to Kiss. So we can use that in, uh, in creative as well. We then take all of that and go, right, it's Skybet, here's the data, let's go and assemble it. It's two minutes before the game, so let's use the countdown bit that says it's two minutes before. We've just done the call to the API at Skybet to say that it's the Arsenal versus Liverpool and it's 2-1, wins you £85. Assemble all that. And then we respond to the AdSwiz ad server with what's called a VAST tag. And in that VAST tag is the location of literally an MP3 file. And that MP3 file is already made sitting on a, um, on a server uh, that's accessible to the client. The client then obeys the VAST tag and says, yes, that's the, the audio I'm going to go and get. Gets it, sticks it into the stream, and literally milliseconds later, the user could be hearing it. Uh, and all of this is happening in real time. Exactly. So your platform is a live platform. There's a lot. There's a lot of people's 
reputations, a lot of business hanging off the back of this. Christ, Heath. <laughs> Don't stress me out. My phone started ringing. What's going on? <laughs> it's true, though. And this, and, and this is quite different from the traditional methods of making ads where you know it's it's signed and sealed we bounce it down it's posted and, and we know it's secure yeah. no that's a very good point this i mean this is a piece of ad technology and it's always on it's plugged in it's connected all the time up in our office just just down the road we have a big screen on the wall which yeah. is our our kind of analytics uh, panel and it shows inbound requests how many of those for uh, for each script um how many impressions are then being uh, um being got from each of the scripts what variations are being served of each of the scripts so we're, it's literally a live real-time monitor stuff doesn't work my phone starts buzzing at like two in the morning if things are you know, being delivered properly. Yeah, this is a this is a full real time, always on operation. What else have you got to hear? I want to hear some more yeah, of this. Yeah. Okay. So um, the next one. Why don't you talk us through Talk Talk, Sam? <laughs> Sorry, having a drink. Uh, <laughs> Midpoint. Midpoint. Um, yeah. So Talk Talk Talk's uh, a, a very interesting. I think we mentioned before the idea that um, that if you if you cross reference people that were registered uh, with a particular service or not, knowing if someone's a customer or not. But this one would actually take it from the device. So if you're connected, um, uh, so you're listening to Absolute Radio or something like that, but you're listening over uh, a TalkTalk Talk broadband, or maybe you're listening to over a competitor, we can then do different versions for those two. But but saying that, we, we wanted that idea of if someone was listening to, to, to Absolute, is there something we could put into the creative uh, to kind of uh, acknowledge the fact that they're coming from a radio stream? Because obviously somebody listening to Absolute um, uh, versus Classic FM are coming from very, very different musical sort of backgrounds. So we had this idea of kind of putting the radio on in the background of a scenario. And so it's called Jason's Shirt, this. And, um, and it's just this interaction between a mother and uh, her son. Um, but, the, but the radio in the background of the kitchen is the radio station that you've actually come from, which is kind of a, need a bit of permission, sign off, but um, I'm sure Richard Park would be absolutely delighted by yeah. it. <laughs> um, and we have a, there's name in this one as well, isn't there? Yeah. Exactly. This, this one's for you, Mike. Good morning. Traffic on the M18, backing up eastbound from Junction 3 for Doncaster, following an accident earlier... Mum! Have you seen my shirt? Which shirt would that be, Jason? The one you dumped on the bathroom floor or the one you got food stained? Any of them. I'm late. Well, maybe the one I just ironed for you then, eh? Oh, you're a star. Can I have that in writing? Has anyone fed the dog yet? What time is it? I think it's around eight. Check your phone. Oh, no! Mike! I was supposed to be meeting about ten minutes ago. What about your breakfast? Give it to the dog. Jason! Bye, then. Bye, Mum. Love you, too. Some days they drive you mad, but you wouldn't change them for the world. If you like things that don't change, you'll love a fixed price plan from TalkTalk. As a valued TalkTalk customer, you'll always get the same great deals as new customers. Giving you broadband for just £20 a month, say. Guaranteed. Until 2019. Talk Talk. For everyone. Contract and conditions apply. We like this script because it's very different to what we've done to date. It's not a voiceover man. It's not a uh, standard kind of bed with a, with you know three points to hit. It's actually a, scri- a, a script, a scene. You know, we're trying to, you know, theatre of the mind style, yeah. build a little world. 
Um, and, and what are the localizations in there? What, what, what well, so are there's the traffic news that the guy's reading yeah. at the first. Firstly, the, the, the in jingle is the traffic jingle of the station, as Sam was saying, that you've just been listening to. But then also the, the point that the, the name of the place they pick up is the place nearest you. And then the guy is late, says, what time is it? Hey, oh, I'm late to see Mike. And of course, you're Mike. <laughs> so he's late to see you. And so that's going to, you know, if you imagine yeah. that coming out of your headphones. And, and the, the, the time check we heard there, eight o'clock, that's, that again is a, is a personalised. Yeah, 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 it was dynamic. You say it's, it's around because that was because of the way that the ad breaks are built. Because we don't know exactly, exactly the time, but we know roughly the hour. So, so you kind of have to think about things like that. But, but doing location in different ways, I mean, you can say like um, uh, the Camelot one, you can actually talk about a city, but there's other ways you can do location. You can do motorways like that, you can do rivers, you could do uh, monuments, you could do landmarks, um, or, train landmarks stations. or hills or train stations. I mean, there's loads of different ways that you can make it relevant to the person where they are. An algorithm-driven ad serving isn't perfect. I bought a pair of trousers recently from The Gap. Mm-hmm. They're very nice. Uh, heavy cotton twill slacks uh, and <laughs> every today, no, uh, no, no 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 they're, they're for special occasions okay. <laughs> these are standard podcast jeans this isn't a special occasion no, <laughs> no, no, thanks, but the point is that I'm now being followed around the internet yes. by ads for a product I've already bought so that's uh, a very how do we guard against retargeting. this? Well, it's a very specific type of dynamic creator called retargeting, and there are a couple of players who um, who make their living from it, and they realise that even though you might have bought those trousers, if you hadn't, serving you an ad with a product that you've been searching for is much more effective than just serving you any ad from the catalogue of that of that retailer. So that's why they continue well, so to do it. So there's data behind this to suggest it's effective, because <laughs> it just annoys me. It annoys most people, and, and certainly you. What, what I often find is you view the product on one website, go and buy on another website but the website you haven't bought from continues to advertise to you so there's definitely a, uh, an issue that needs to be resolved within audio retargeting would be quite hard to do because if you're John Lewis say who used a lot of retargeting your catalogue is probably 20,000 SKUs and do you want to you know we haven't yet found a voiceover who'd be prepared to voice all of them but actually it's quite a nice um, segue on to well right so that's where we might go next actually and at the moment we're using real human voices and we think that gets us the best production and the best sound. Today, Siri and Cortana and Alexa all sound like robots, and so our brains are really good at detecting um, robot versus human. That will go away, and when it does, actually voicing a 200,000-strong list of products by, by a synthesized voice actually might become real. And I, I think the retargeting is, is fascinating because for me, I think when you go online and you search for a new TV, a new HD TV, and then 4K now. Yeah, of course, a 4K one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, 4K. Um, and 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 then you sort of see it. It's the visual cortex that's been stimulated by you doing that search. And and so when you then see banners and pictures and everywhere you look is a 4K TV on offer from whoever. But then actually you go right. I'm going away from this. I'm going to go on the tube and I'm going to listen or on the train and I'm listening to my favorite radio station. Um, through their app and suddenly there's an ad that then just talks about the delights of a new 4K TV. It's a different part of the brain that then has gone and you wouldn't make that obvious assumption that that same data source has come from the fact that you were searching for 4K TV earlier um, because you're then listening to something in a completely different environment. And because we perceive radio as such a personal medium, is there a risk that this is a little bit more spooky in audio than it might be in print? I, we have run some research on this and, and, it, and it threw out some fascinating kind of results um, because younger people generally don't mind it. They, they, they're used to this trade-off. They're used to the fact that they can 
go to Facebook and they get all the functionality of connecting with their friends and all of the, the, that, that environment and the trade-off is that they're giving that information and they will, they will, will have ads targeted at them. So, so they seem to be much, much more open to it. Um, older generation, maybe we're a bit more sticklers. We've grown up in an environment that some of us can even remember there was only three or four TV channels. Uh, in the, in the uh, world. And to hear your name on the radio is a really special thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to happen every day now. Uh, well, yeah, we don't want that too much. I think, and I think there will be a premium with name, particularly because because I, I think it's something to be protected. And I think the right creative, it would it would be good. I don't think every ad should 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 uh, engage you by name. And I, I, what we'd love to see is some of the radio groups themselves actually use it in terms of building their own brands you know um, you know the station voices possibly uh, engaging you when, when you're sort of in, in, a, in the right environment when you, you've given that data and you're listening and you're a regular listener you know that you'd think that's a kind of a, an obvious thing I mean I often quite say that this all relates to how humans interact once you know somebody you know their name then that's how you engage them so so you see a life for this technology beyond advertising Potentially, yeah. I mean, there's Not potentially, definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I mean, so so we. Some investors are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we've started with with ads and with audio because there's an opportunity here, and and um, audio isn't as advanced as a as an advertising medium as a digital advertising medium as video and, and display. So actually, there is genuinely some white space here to do something cool and creative around dynamic creative and um, and personalization for audio. Uh, and advertising is the place to start because, frankly, bluntly, that's where the money is. And but over time, what we've built is a tool set here that can be used for any kind of creative creation if you want to do it uh, dynamically and you want to do it at scale with multiple millions of different variations then actually we've built a tool that can do that your algorithm technology is is, is putting media planners out of work your synthesized voices are going to put voiceovers out of work any other careers you're planning to end <laughs> our podcast is definitely steve <laughs> Um, I think that the general amount of content that's going to be created by this will, will, will still mean that you need creative people. You need people that are producers. You need, um, you still need human voices. Still, a good idea is apart from anything else. Yeah. You need to have that germ of an idea. That's exactly. always true with any type of content. And I mean, I firmly believe that that's not going to get replaced by um, algorithms and, and AI and all the, the robots. Rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are the growth areas? If people want to get into radio advertising, what are the areas that need to be focused on, in your view, Sam? In my view, well, we're actually recruiting. We're looking for, uh, you know, the best writers, producers, that sort of talent, because, you know, we, we are a growth area. Um, we are expanding internationally as well. I mean, this is, this is something for the, for the UK to be quite proud of, because no one else around the world yet is really uh, taking this on. So um, that's great, you know, and, and we just see that this will grow. Uh, and, and how long have you got to prove this? So I think there's, there's two proof points here, actually. And the first one is a revenue proof point. You know, can we make some money out of this? And the second one, for me personally, and the reason I started the business is actually way more important, which is, does personalization in your ears through headphones really work? And we all think it will. And well, clearly we all do. We all believe that that will. But actually, we just haven't run enough yet with an audio to really hand on heart prove that again and again. And that's the bit that A, I lose sleep over, but B, I'm most excited about because I think there's genuinely something new and interesting here that, that we can be the first to do and prove. Yeah, and I mean, I, I present a lot about the sort of psychology of sound and it's something that I've focused on for a long time. And all the evidence, if you look beyond advertising and just purely audio, 
you know, relevant messages, personal messages do have more resonance. They do latch into our memory much better. So, so you'd think all of the evidence is there that this is a much more powerful way to communicate. Thank you both very much. I've learnt a lot and I undoubtedly will want to come back with more questions at another time. Uh, but um, Steve and Sam, thank you very much. And thank you to you, Keith, and you, John, and you, Sarah, and you, Samantha. Especially <laughs> the white as well, mighty white. Oh yeah, and thank you, Drew. We must say thank you, Drew, for being within Earshot. For show notes, photos, links, and details of how you can be part of Earshot, find us at earshotcreative.com.